Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of uh, Movies and Tea After Hours. This is our spin-off series of sorts uh, where we will be taking a break from our usual programming of director re-evaluations to focus on more sort of one-shot episodes where we'll look at sort of films that have got hold an interest with ourselves or with our guests that we're going to bring on um and these are sort of like the films where we don't want to sort of dive into the whole filmography of a director we just want to look at this one film we don't want to see four other films that we don't want to watch just to get this one film and tonight we're going to be kicking off with a film that both of us were very excited about seeing um since it was announced yeah, it was a. Uh, it's obvious if you look at our Instagram that <laughs> we're, we're 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 huge lovers of it. <laughs> yeah, so um, tonight we're going to be talking about the Meg, um, probably one of the more clumsier titled films of this particular film season. Um, the film itself is based on the Steve Alton book Meg, a novel of deep terror, which is the first in a series of books about uh, prehistoric sharks or megalodons um, following the marine biologist Jonas Taylor now the book itself was released back in 97 and when it uh, almost immediately after it was released it was picked up but the rights were picked up by Disney and since then it spends pretty much all its time in development hell it's sort of time passed from one studio to the next and no one has ever been able to sort of make it work and back in 96 I mean it was supposed to originally come out around 99 but because of Deep Blue Sea the producers got sort of cold feet that they weren't going to be able to compete so they sort of pushed it right back and then the rights eventually went back to the author Steve Alton and he got really sort of frustrated with the fact it was going nowhere and it was sort of like around 2005 he actually wrote a a script and he sort of submitted it to New Line Cinema and it was really there that it got the intention of uh, Guillermo del Toro who passed it on to the legendary um, studio producers who basically uh, sort of kicked it out of uh, development hell and it's from this sort of period of interest I mean this is really around 2015 we're now talking and the script is there being repenned and unfortunately comes to the desk of Eli Roth who was attached to the project for a little short time and talked a real big game but he wanted to basically rewrite the script he wanted to st- be the leading man which anyone who's seen Inglourious Bastards will know what a bad idea that is because a man can't act for shit um, and he basically you know he had a big falling out with the studios and you know took his ball and went home and it was basically passed on to John Tuttletub who finally finally after many years of teasing this film coming out brings it to um, brings it to the big screen with Jason Statham taking on the lead role of J- of Jonas now right off the bat if you're a fan of the books I have to say that this film while it obviously shares the same name as, as the original book it is a completely different story um, which isn't a bad thing I just it's just worth noting that uh, you aren't going to get the book version uh, of the story and there's obviously a number of changes as well uh, especially in terms of the Japanese characters have now been changed to Chinese characters uh, mainly because this is a Chinese American co-funding so 
this is really interesting when we get into the details of the film because certain details become really apparent as to what's been included because you've got to guarantee that that uh, foreign funding so certain scenes have obviously been included to you know help uh, grease the wheel of the foreign investors but I mean obviously opening thoughts in this one I mean obviously I'm a big fan of the series Kim um, as I think that little nerd nerd uh, history sort of cla- may have clarified for people there but I mean what was it that sort of appealed to yourself about this film going into it well look I love Jason Statham and I love shark films and I love prehistoric shark films um, I'm not gonna lie that it's a little ridiculous it's a little crazy because um uh a lot of people don't know this unless you follow my blog or you've been around there for a long time. I joined uh, I joined NaNoWriMo, and I think I've told you before that I wrote a story really similar to this one. Um, it's definitely based, like, something really kind of off the... Like, not the same scenario. It was more of a dystopian thing. But it had, like, a really similar idea, and I never knew the Meg existed. I never knew about this novel, and... Um, and to be honest, like, just for all these elements, I really wanted to see where this movie was coming from. Obviously, my book will never see the light of day. It's been in, like, editing hell for, like, uh, four years now. <laughs> Maybe one day it'll come out, but <laughs> not right now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I really love the idea. I thought that, like, an idea like this is really great, Um Obviously, I didn't use the Megalodon, but I mean, I love the idea of a Megalodon being the central villain. Um, and, you know, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I don't understand, uh, like, I, I've seen a lot of people coming out and their reviews coming out. And um, I've kind of took glances of, like, just headlines of things of, like, how people felt about the film so far. And I have to say, like, I don't understand what people were expecting. Like... <laughs> I see <laughs> it's a shark film my goodness <laughs> you know like um yeah I think I that see. I think that the, the thing is that if you were to com- uh, compare this to Deep Blue Sea which happens to be also one of my favorite shark films uh, there is definitely a comparison and I think that if you love Deep Blue Sea you will find your love for the Meg and I came out of the theater completely in love with it like I had serious tense moments and I had serious, like, roll my eyes, ha, 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 this is a ridiculous, cheesy moment, you know? Um, and I think that what you meant <laughs> when you were saying, like, you were trying to appeal to kind of, like, the foreign funding, um, I would definitely say that chalks it up to the footprints of all those ridiculous emotional moments that they were trying to create. So, yeah, like, some of the parts where you were talking about foreign funding, um, well, th- I could definitely see, like, I don't know how many people have watched Chinese films. They're not exactly, like, you know, top-notch. They're not to be confused with Hong Kong films because they are different and they are different calibers. I know Hong Kong is part of China and a lot of people confuse it, but it's different. There's, like, different staples. I mean, you doing your Asian film knowledge, you you probably understand it more than other people, I guess. Um and like what it is is like you see a lot of like this emotion uh emotional parts and dramatic parts and it's so like you know sometimes it's such a far-fetched sort of 
like a stretch to what the story really needs. Like, I always find it ridiculous when, like, shark films try to add in this, like, oh, emotional love story and, oh, <laughs> all this family drama and all that stuff. And I'm just like, you know, these are just little things. It makes you kind of understand your characters a little bit better, kind of get an idea of who they are. But that's not really essential. And I think that though that was the main thing that I didn't enjoy about the Meg. I don't know about you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed the the Meg. I thought it was a really fun ride throughout. Um, it moves at a really good pace, and it it never really seemed to sort of stumble at all, which is what really surprised me, especially because here Tabletop really seems to be trying to do the Jaws thing, where he's trying to hide showing us the Meg, and he really doesn't he leaves it to the end till we get like the really good shots of the Meg. We see like bits and pieces of it, and I think to that extent it gives us a really good idea especially with the scale i mean this is like a 75 foot long shark mm -hmm. so it's not like the easiest of things to hide and i think it's used very effectively um now i mean obviously with the you mentioned obviously with like the family drama and all the other gumph that goes with it and i think to that extent it is used very well i mean we have the sort of will they won't they sort of love story um here between joan uh it's Taven's character and lee bing bing's character um she's obviously a widower he's a drunk it's all like it's this weird <laughs> matching it's uh because and i love the fact that they don't have them sort of making doe eyes i mean he's yeah he like he's interested in her but he doesn't really want to say anything because he's and uh she herself i mean she, she's still not giving anything away but we've got this like really adorable 10 year old who acts as the go-between and yeah. especially jason seven's um interaction with the with the this child yeah and i have to say this is a this is a really fantastic child act because normally as soon as you uh mention any sort of child actor it's sort of like just the most cringeworthy thing it's like oh well there goes the movie oh, yeah. um I mean, um, I mean, she's she's adorable. She is incredibly fun to watch. Like, she had some it, lovely laughs. It was like just you just can't help but really, really enjoy her character being there because she's not used all the time, and she doesn't make like dumb child actor slots. You know, like oh, she doesn't happen to get like oh, I decided to stay in the submarine to go like in the depths of the sea. You know, and at yeah. the same time, she's also very smart. She. She really has like that knowledge that she's picked up from just sitting around in conference rooms, listening to her mom talk about stuff and listening to her grandfather talk about stuff. And she has all this knowledge that, you know, you don't expect her to have. And she's actually helping Jason Statham to kind of kind of um, be kind of more understand like they understand where he is because he kind of just gets like plopped into this. And then suddenly he's like, oh, I have to go save some people who decided they wanted to kill themselves under the water and didn't believe him and thought he was retarded like thought he was crazy and you know all this stuff you know and it's, it's done really well i'm not saying like family drama is bad i think that some of the parts were definitely a little cheesy uh it was a little bit um some parts weren't too necessary but i do think that there were some really fun parts between like jason statham and uh leaving bing i think that like there were some parts where they were talking like, oh, you know, oh, I would be like a little guilty and she would do that to him. And there were like these little signs and they were really adorable because, 
you don't really see Jason Statham in any romance in any films, if I think back. Like, obviously, I haven't caught up with some of his, like, later films uh, in between I haven't seen. But, I mean, he never really gets a big romance, you know, and... And I like the fact that they're kind of just hinting towards it. And he does this kind of like, you know, um, he's he's the hero when he needs to be. But it's also a journey for his character because because of the fact that, you know, how the movie starts and the, and the hard decisions he had to make and how he really comes to find himself being in that position where you see that he's not that kind of character. He's not like a selfish character. He's making the decisions and they're well calculated in in like how he's going to take his next decision. Yeah, I mean, certainly in this version of of Jonas, he's a rescue diver, and as we see at the start, he's um been renowned for this speciality of doing especially deep rescue dives, and this is what sort of brings him into the group. I mean, in the opening we see him. Um, performing the rescue which sees him losing several of his team um, due to an attack from an unseen massive shark and Taylor's basically written off as being crazy he was suffering from um, pressure psychosis and uh, he's basically spent the next five years staring through life through the bottom of a whiskey boat living out in Thailand and it's basically when his ex-wife gets stranded at the bottom of the Marinas Trench, which is um, where these scientists are investigating because they're trying to find the deepest part of the ocean. And her team have basically got this uh, submersible that is designed to go deeper than originally was thought to be the bottom. And it's there that they encounter the Meg. Um, Now, he's originally, as I said, he's just brought in as a rescue diver to bring back uh, his ex-wife and um Laurie and um her team and through the course of his action he finds himself drawn in with the rest of the team into this attempt to basically capture and hunt down this megalodon that's now gone rogue um because it's because of this interaction with with humans it's now draw, been drawn to the surface and it's basically does the whole giant shark on a rampage uh thing and uh, to that extent it's really interestingly done i mean in particular we've got the billionaire financer of the of the whole project played by rain wilson now normally when we have the billionaire character he's always like money 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 it's all about the human cost is secondary to what the financial gain is going to be and to that extent rain wilson's character is really interesting because he's all about supporting the team um, I think the most dastardly thing he does is he doesn't report it to the authorities and tries to cover up the situation that they've essentially created with this giant shark. But he's all his character is all about you know what are we going to do to 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 stop this creature and um, he's never trying to double cross the team or do anything else. I mean, certainly when he when their research vessel gets sunk and they end up on on the rig and he goes off on his own we see him talking to his sort of like game hunter and they're there with like the depth charges and stuff i've always now he's going to do like his dastardly turn but he never does and i thought that was a real refreshing change for his his character and um i mean i'm going to warn head there are going to be spoilers throughout this but um um, there are. It does obviously lead into a scene which has got a really awesome death sequence. Um, <laughs> and I have to say that the death sequences in here are really well handled. Um, yeah. Especially because I mean, it's a giant shark, so 
you're kind of limited on what you kind you can show because it's not like when we look at like Jaws and Deep Blue Sea where it's all like a regular great white sort of uh, shark where you can obviously show it chomping down on things. I mean, because of the size of the shark, it engulfs things and it basically it's most effective when it just sort of like plows through huge groups of people. It's more just this unstoppable force that's heading towards groups of people. That's where it's all effective or it like pops up and um, destroys boats or whatnot. I think one of its truly most effective scenes, and this again is a reworking from a scene in the book, is when we've got Lee Bing's character, Su Yin, is going down and she's sort of like in a Perspex um, diving cage. Yeah. So it's like a glass tube. And um, Ruby Rose's characters, the the shark's coming up and it's like chawing on it and Ruby Rose's character's like, oh, it can't break through that. And she's like, that's the problem. It's going to swallow me whole. And I was like, that is just such a cool sequence. Yeah. Um, the idea that we're going to watch a character get swallowed rather than have her Kate, have her surroundings destroyed. Um, and that's the thing I really loved about the book is the fact it's playing up a lot of things we know. And at the same time, it's trying to do things that are a bit different. Um, certainly the final payoff at the end where we're on the beach sort of massacre sequence i thought just completely paid off in spades i mean it's you can see the setup coming a mile off i mean from the promotional material we've seen um just as soon as they mention oh this is one of the most populated beaches in the world you just know <laughs> oh where wonder where this is gonna go and yeah. when you're looking at the way the scene's sort of set up and it's very similar to when we look at like piranha 3 double d um oh sorry piranha 3d um where they got the lake party and you can see where all the different areas are going how they're all going to sort of like play and when you see when you see like the guy in the zorb bowl you're just waiting for the shark to attack that that's the whole sequence is just building up to that one moment um although i did really love the fact that they play up the fact that you think they're going to have the the when the guy's on the diving deck and he he's pointing you think he's going to say shark but no he's just he spotted young model tights on another diving <laughs> deck um and it, again this brings into question obviously with the financial finance and the fact that we're here in thailand yet it's a beach populated with young chinese model types uh which isn't a bad thing it just made no sense why no they were off got... the chinese coast so were they yeah, they were off the Chinese coast. Yeah, in the beginning they said that um, it it was a uh, it was in Sanya. It was a Sanya coast, okay. which is um, I don't remember what part of China that is, but I think it's like uh, more southern uh, southern part. Um, yeah, they were off the Chinese coast. They started in the beginning. They were talking about why, uh, like like they were saying like they zoomed in on the Shanghai, I think, and then they pulled back, and then they were like, and then they pulled away, and then it was kind of like they headed towards this off the coast ah, x amount of distance off the coast of china, right. china or something like that i think i must have missed that because i saw like uh the buddhist statue and i was like that looks like thailand and then i was like well why have we've got all these model types um who clearly aren't thai in oh, no, no, no. Yeah, this yeah, situation yeah, yeah. but obviously what you're saying makes more sense now yeah that that's great yeah it was like the sanya bay or sanya coast or something i can't remember i i i really like i really liked all those scenes you talked about um i think that that's the genius of it is the fact that they were able to use it in a promotional material and really play it up and you still felt it being really refreshing to watch and it didn't feel like the trailer 
um, kind of destroyed it. Because this is one of those rare uh, situations. Like, I don't usually watch a lot of trailers, especially for horror thrillers, because I feel like they end up choosing the wrong uh, things and that they show too much. But I actually followed a lot of the Meg trailers. Um, just sheer excitement. Uh, there's... <laughs> It takes a lot for me to not like a shark film. I mean, I think the only one I remembered was like Shark Night or something like that. I, that was the one I, I had big problems with. Um, but I mean, like, I thought, I thought like all those scenes were executed so well. And I think that you make a really good point. It's one of the reasons why I like the reef so much is the fact that is because of kind of like the idea that they don't show the sh the, the megalodon that much. And they show, like, little parts of it. And I have to say, like, I really, like, because of the times, we ended up shelling out for, like, the really good screening. <laughs> so we, we shelled out for the Ultra AVX and um, 3D. So I was a little worried at first because I was like, oh, man, you know, like, 3D films, usually it really doesn't make a difference. And I don't really think it made that big of a difference. But there were some scenes that definitely, like, brought in, like, that tension and that scare because of it yeah and i have to say like just because of i don't know like i don't know like i had some genuine tense moments like i literally like jumped out of my seat and then i fell backwards and was all like ah what happened you know and i was just like really really intense moments and i haven't felt that about a shark movie in a really long time um so i'm really happy with it i you know i don't I guess I see, I, I, I guess I don't understand why, like, it it's doing well, but then the critics are not doing so hot on it either, so. It's, I mean, the problem is that you, this is a, a giant shark movie. You can only go so smart with the, with the material exactly. here. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not that sort of movie. It yeah. does what it needs to do. And at the same time, it's, it doesn't feel like you're watching a dumb shark movie i mean everything oh. feels very logical i mean it's as i said it's you know uh it's it's just basic as i say it's just a giant shark movie we've got a giant shark we're gonna hunt the shark that's that's basically the whole premise mm -hmm. here we're in different situations where we have to rescue people uh from this shark and yeah. you know we're all gonna build up to um this big big beach carnage sequence and I think obviously being a fan of reading the book, I mean, there were certain sequences I hoped would come in there. And so when I saw that Perspex tube, I thought that it was a similar scene from the book that had been carried across, but it's not. It's And so they take the same scene, but just rework it for the film. Um, certainly when in terms of the, the book, how the Meg gets to the surface made a lot more sense because in the film, they obviously annoyed so you've got this cold layer and then underneath it you've got like a warm layer so it forms like a second world so these creatures can exist uh in there and certainly in the book um because they're putting down these earthquake detection units and they're bringing it up and this meg gets caught up in the chain so it's been hoisted up and then a female meg basically bursts through it and uses the warm blood to way to get to the surface and we don't have anything like that in this film it's just basically like oh the shark knows we're here Oh, it just magically is able to now go up to the surface, despite the fact it's not done it in all these millions of years that it's been down there, we can assume. Um, well, I mean, it was because of them disturbing it, right? They had that burst yeah. and it had opened up the, 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 the passageway. And I thought, you know, 
for a shark film, that made sense. You know, that made sense that you would have opened it up and the shark got through and, and like, th- that's it, you know? Okay. You know, I, I, I thought they, they explained it well enough to explain why that would have happened. Um, in the sense that, you know, they were like, oh, it opened up like this shot of air, warm air that kind of chat gave them a little channel and then it closed up afterwards. So nothing else could have gone through because, you know, obviously they're not going to go into this like cold layer. Um, although, I don't know. I mean, I guess like I never really think so deeply about shark films. They're they're meant to be a little silly. Um, they're meant yeah. to deliver a certain um, intensity for what it's trying to do. And uh, for the Meg, I, I, I mean... How much can you talk about for shark films, right? You have to see what type of films you really like, what type of shark films you really like before you can really decide on what type of films you like. I'm sure there's people who like Shark Night, and I don't. Um, But at the same time, I've had, like, genuine discussions about people who don't like The Reef, and I love The Reef, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, what what can you say, right? I mean, I like I like smart shark films, but I also like crappy, so bad it's it's good movies like Sharknado. So <laughs> y- you have you have films like that, and you think about like what is your tolerance and what is your uh, what makes you love shark films a lot. And mm. I think the Meg nails a lot of this balancing uh, balancing act of creating a film which gives you these really exciting scenes. And if you're a shark film fan, like I think it ticks a lot of the boxes. Oh yeah, I think that's only where the Meg obviously has the the advantage here is the fact that the Sci-Fi Channel have spent so many years watering down the shark movie genre that it's now when you have like the one that's slight to spit good, it just feels like amplified by five um, how good this movie actually is. And I think we're seeing something of a uh, like a a Renaissance, yeah, Renaissance. Um, in the shark movies because we've now had pretty much two good shark movies pretty close together when we had the shallows um and now we've obviously had the meg and i really would love to see them do a series with the meg i feel that certainly there's a lot of material in the books um and they could really do something really interesting with these books i mean just obviously touch on the books i mean the books themselves um the sharks in the in the books are white because they're obviously in the depths of the ocean, and in the film they were originally going to be white as well, but the CGI didn't translate, so they never looked white, and that's why they now in the film look like giant great white sharks, which, to be honest, didn't bother me at all. Um, the other main sort of thing with the with the books is that they're building this this giant um, sort of like ocean study. Um, arena for studying whales and they basically at the end of the book they capture one of the megalodons in this this pool and they find out that it's actually pregnant um, and gives birth to pups and the whole series from that point goes on to them sort of like Jonas and his family's sort of relationship with these sharks the fact that they're trying to keep them in captivity and that at the same time they've got to deal with that when they eventually and inevitably escape um and how this redraws them back into the trench now in the books the trench itself it isn't just megalodons and we do see this hint that in the film as we get the giant squid as there's all sorts of other prehistoric 
monsters down there and it becomes kind of like a Jurassic Park style yeah. uh, ventures that they embark on but you know the aquatic version as yeah. every time they go in the trench they find like different uh, different sort of dinosaurs and uh, style yeah. creatures from that sort of era um, I mean the book opens with a Megalodon killing a T-Rex which historically doesn't even match up because they're from two different time periods I mean Transformers Rex and that have been wiped out through the extinction of <laughs> uh, life on this planet due to whatever scientific theory you want to go with, be it meteorite or disease or whatever, and Megadons came after, but it's a really cool scene and I really hope to see it in the film. It didn't happen. Big depression for myself, but I'll get over it. Um, and suddenly as we get into later books, I mean, we're obviously going, it's now the point where you've got this Sultan character who's got this aquarium that he's planning on stocking with these prehistoric creatures so you're having dives to go on these hunting missions to gather these creatures uh from the depths all the while having to deal with like the megs and other sort of creatures that are down there and the books themselves are really fun book reads if you want something for the airport the commute i really recommend checking out steve Walton's series he's written other books but the meg ones are sort of like like what alex cross is to james patterson there is sort of like bread and butter there his real money makers and um yeah, I'm thinking if you enjoyed this film, I would definitely recommend checking the books out. Um, as I said, the book is completely different than the film, so you know it's a completely new adventure for you to enjoy. And there's currently five books at the time of recording. There is a sixth one on its way, um, and it's they built up really nicely. Just um, each new adventure, and some of them they have got their random moments, but they're certainly uh, worth checking out. Much like this film. Um, so, I mean, I don't. As you said, it's a it's a giant shark movie. There's not a huge amount of depth and and yeah. deep thinking to it. Um, I, I think you know. I mean, I think the best way to describe this is if you are. I actually thought your Jurassic Park thing was something that was something that I was going to talk about next. Was that you know that it's even in the trailer. In the trailer, when you see the megalodon like show up, and the little girl has a little um, uh, like a lit up ball that she's playing with yeah. and balancing around. And she walks down, she turns around, there's this giant shark that's just, like, staring at her. And then he just opens his mouth and chomps down. And <laughs> that whole scene reminded me of Jurassic Park. And I was like, crap, this is, this is like, amazing. I love this already. Like, and yeah. in the context of where we were at that film, at the film at that point, it was just so perfect. And... I think that that's the thing is if you really like this kind of story and I really want to have a sequel. I'm honestly, I would love the Meg to get a sequel. I would love for Jason Statham to be able to have this kind of this sort of shark film franchise under his belt. Like he fits in Jonas Taylor so well and I really loved um, what he was able to bring to it. And I mean, I think the China and uh, China American collaboration worked really well. There are some that don't work so well and um, despite some of the factors that I thought were a little bit, it never really felt like it was, you know, un, like something I didn't, I didn't get or that I couldn't accept. Um, I mean, I, I like the Meg. Like if I was talking about, like, it would be definitely comparable to something like Deep Blue Sea, uh, something comparable to like, um, you know, something like Jurassic Park in a way. But, you know, obviously it's not Steven Spielberg, so you're not <laughs> comparing. The, I mean... I mean, John uh, Turtletub, or how do you say his name? I believe that's how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I mean, 
if you look at what he's he's done directing for, he doesn't direct a whole lot, but he's directed like what National Treasure and While yeah. You Were Sleeping, and I mean this director is like cut out for something I like because I liked all the films he made, <laughs> even Sorcerer's Apprentice. So, <laughs> I mean he was destined to work for me, I guess. Um, except for Las Vegas, I don't think I want to watch that. But I mean. He's, I like the way, I like his filming style, and I think that there were some solidly beautiful shots of how he, like, handled, um, the shark, and how much you were gonna see the Meg, and how much, uh, and, and just the sheer size making it how frightening it was, and these last-minute things, last-minute twists that he adds to it, and all these things. I don't, I've never read the book. I, I don't know, um... I don't know if I mentioned that before, but I haven't read the books, and I don't know the context of it. I do want to read it. I want to, like, obviously it's different, as you said, but yeah. um, I'm really interested in seeing, like, if this gets enough box office that it's going to do well. I mean, as of recording right now, the articles are saying that it crushed the opening weekend of all its competitors, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see a green light for, for a sequel. I would hope so. I mean, it, it's different enough. Um, I mean, let's look at what we got. At the moment, we've got a lot of superhero movies coming out. We've got Star Wars movies being crammed down our throat. Um, so, it, the, I mean, the Meg is different. Um, and it means that you can go and watch something disposable and fun without having to think, oh, how's this going to play into, like, a larger sort of franchise? Because, as I said, it's its, it's, its own beast. And it's just a fun time at the, at, at the movies, really. And as I said, if they if they're going to borrow more material from the book, I mean, the villains who obviously show up in like the the books um, and that want to obviously like manipulate this world for themselves, they're all very sort of like James Bond esque over the top style villains because that's the style of writing, and you know that's what you need in those sorts of books. You don't want someone who's like complex and stuff. You just want you know some villain who's got very clear motives who wants to manipulate the situation whatever way they can and i think certainly when you mentioned about the scene where we see the meg head on i mean i just had a complete fan boy moment there because obviously <laughs> she's she's wearing these are like real reference drops to fans of the books that they included here because uh the girl's wearing angel wings and angel is the name of the meg in the book um and the fact that when the sharks comes head on that's basically a replica of the cover of the fourth book hell's aquarium um so i was just like completely lost it as a fan and as soon as we saw the whales earlier in that sequence and it's all like oh look at the whales and it's like i knew those whales weren't going to be around for long as soon as that meg turned up it's like how long is it before we start seeing whales getting chewed up and uh yeah it was uh, it kind of it kind of delivered on all your expectations it's all like whatever you want to see it kind of delivers upon yeah. that um and you know i generally cared about these characters i mean they're perhaps not the most developed characters at times and some of the plot lines are a bit outlandish like um i believe it's his ex-wife character who's apparently torpedoed a whaling vessel or something and she's supposedly got this rebellious past and we've got ruby Rose once again playing the hacker style character because you know that's what she has to play because she's the tattooed hot chick and you know <laughs> I love Ruby Rose I'm not gonna lie I love Ruby Rose and I was genuinely scared they would give her that um Resident Evil final chapter death um <laughs> because she keeps falling into the freaking water you know 
Um, so I, know. I really like Ruby Rose. I love her coolness. I've loved her ever since she was in Orange is the New Black. And I, you know, I really think that, like, I know she's, a, like, a very um, typical character. She gets, like, pl- stuck in this, like, niche character that she always gets cast in. But I love the attitude and I love, like, her, her, her style and those, that sort of, uh, that sort of, uh, character that she adds to um, a, a movie like this. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely all the the casting here, about for the most part. I mean, they're playing things how you want them to play. I mean, Jason Stevens sort of like your gruff hero, who's who's constant. As I said, he's. I love the fact he's like he throws in a a Finding Dory reference when he's. He's swimming out to be human bait. He's sort of like swim, 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 uh, which is from Finding Dory. And I thought, yeah. well, Jason Stone doing a Finding Dory reference to the foot. But yeah, I mean, he's he's got that sort of gruff charm. And I think, again, these any the interactions between these characters is so believable. And you do care about this this little group of characters, and that when one of them does meet a demise, it matters to you. It's not like, oh, it's just disposable character there i don't care if he's gone or they're just like so annoying that you're sort of praying for them you do actually care about this the members of this group so when we have moments where like the ship sinks and they're all in the water it's all like who's gonna get out of this so who's gonna uh survive this so you do obviously i think it's refreshing to actually have a group of characters you you generally care about um as for where this sort of ranks in like the greater ranking of shark movies i mean no, this isn't uh, the new Jaws. I mean, this isn't as good as Jaws yeah. 2, especially. Um, this okay. is certainly up there with, like, The Shallows um, and Deep Blue Sea. It's sort of, like, mm-hmm. that second tier of shark yeah. movies. It's, like, miles ahead of every other direct that, you know, the sci-fi channel's been churning out for quite a while. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's... It's refreshing to actually have a good shark movie again, and mm-hmm. as I said, it's it, it's um, I was not disappointed, even which I was pleasantly surprised. I was like so worried going yeah. into this, especially from having built it up in my own head uh, for so long that it when it finally came out that it actually just delivers how I want it to do. I mean, yeah, I mean certainly some of the sequences they can seem a bit frothy especially like in the beat sequence there's a lot of water getting thrown and it's hard to focus on what's going on um but yeah i mean apart from like scenes that i would like to have seen in the in the book that mysteriously seem to be turning up in the jurassic world franchise such as uh in jurassic world we see when we see it jump out and grab the shark uh grab the shark yeah that's a that's a scene from the second book that they basically have freeloaded but with all the controversy with like SeaWorld and keeping large animals in captivity, I don't think that we're ever going to see that scene in the Meg franchise. So, um, I don't know. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to stop ranting about... I can talk shark movies forever, honestly. And um, we, we need to find some way to end this. So, I mean, in a nutshell, I love this film. I, I thought it was really great. I think I, I gave it a pretty high score on letterbox um it was it was something i really wanted and it didn't disappoint me it actually ticked a lot of boxes i i would love to see this not in 3d just to see if whether the 3d was a fact that i got so uh tense in the theater and i was like literally jumping and like jumping in the back of my seat and getting scared and kicking my feet up and it was it was a real intense moment (laughs) 
<laughs> cool. Yeah, I think on Letterbox, I think I've I've rated it higher than a lot of people have on Letterbox. Uh, but you know, it's it's definitely for myself. I would say it's definitely worth worth giving a uh, giving a watch. Um, I don't think it's going to be one that one to keep, but it's certainly it's certainly a fun experience while it lasts. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And, I, I might actually rewatch this. I actually I actually thought it was really good. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. Cool. Um. Well, I guess this brings us to the end of our first episode of the uh, After Hours portion of uh, of this podcast. Uh, we hope you obviously enjoyed it. If you do obviously want to listen to any of our shows, then me, please do uh, hit the subscribe button if you listen to us on iTunes or Podomatic. You can also check out our blog, which has got a complete listen, complete um, collection of all our past episodes. And you can find that at moviesandteapodcast.wordpress.com. Um, on there as well you can find other fun articles um, such as the tourist pieces and uh, reviews that we've written for the Paul de Sanson films we covered in our first season um, and uh, no doubt some other interesting bits of writing that will be going up over the next few months but um, as always I'd like to uh, thank my co-host Miss Kim Lowe thank you for uh, for actually setting up this surprise spontaneous recording for the Meg <laughs> since we rarely ever go to the theaters <laughs> <laughs> that's true um, and uh, as I said, until next time this is Edward Jones wishing you all a good night